Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I'm here with my compatriots, Cassidy Williams and Matt Kiernander, to bring you the latest and greatest in software news and technology. Hello, everyone. Hello. So we've got some fun news hits today. I want to start with the sort of basics, the little things. It's the little things. GitHub Copilot now has voice commands. You know, it's just that one step closer to Jarvis. It's, I got to go make a coffee while I'm doing it. Can you throw together this function and I'll be right back? Or I don't know. What is this for? I just, I saw this today and as I get older, I appreciate when technology makes my life a lot easier. And just having a look at some of the commands available for GitHub Copilot, like say, for example, import graph plotting library, or I can press enter. That one's not too much hair off my back. But things like um, clean records from Titanic data were ages now. Like, there seems like there's a lot of utility here that might be fun to play with. But I'm still like considering how my existing voice automated controls work. I'm I'm still a little bit curious as to how this will work in practice. I'm excited about it in particular for people who have RSI or, or are dealing with hand issues and stuff, because I've had a couple developer friends where. They suddenly can't use their hands. Their carpal tunnel got really bad or something, and they've had to right. learn all of these voice tools to be able to type things out. And it's tedious. They're able to do it, but it's it's very, very tedious. And so something like this for that use case could be great if it works well. Yeah, I myself suffer from a lot of tendinitis, and I've done a bunch of different tricks. Dictation is definitely one of them. Now I like a lot of times I'll use my desktop to see what's going on and then I'll like respond to the email on my phone. Like just using my thumbs is okay. So I'm like mm. kind of trying to, as long as I'm getting away from like that wrist typing, I'm, but I have a bunch of different tactics I use, including voice. And So I actually worked with a, he was a blind developer when I was working uh, at a, a previous company and just chatting to him around the kind of different workflows he had to go through just to be able to program and do his job was pretty incredible. Like it was, it was also very bizarre because you'd walk past him in the office and his screen was completely black. Like his monitor wasn't turned on and he had just be sitting there typing away happy as anything. And so he had to use uh, rely very heavily on screen readers because he obviously couldn't see what it was that he was uh, looking at. And then also where his kind of cursor was. And so he had to do a lot of workarounds around really fast screen readers that could very easily pass his IDE. So he was using, I think JetBrains was one his favorite IDE that had a lot of accessibility options there. But having something like this where he can kind of skip the whole reading the entire document and finding out exactly what's going on, but relying on something that would say, hey, do this. And it would do that for him and save him a lot of work. Like it was, it was pretty cool. It made me have a lot of respect because I struggle enough programming, being able to see, let alone doing it blind. This also gives us a nice segue into another link you dropped in here, Matt, which is about accessibility and game development with a shout out to God of War. What are they getting a shout out for? For being good about this or bad about this? Incredibly good. Like Sony have really kind of done a good job with accessibility as part of their kind of video games. So Naughty Dog, which is a Sony studio, got a lot of praise for its accessibility in The Last of Us. And God of War, they made a lot of improvements here as well. Um, I follow one of the accessibility writers on Twitter for God of War Ragnarok. And it was just kind of cool seeing how involved and integral accessibility was from the get-go with the development of Ragnarok. You know, I feel like accessibility is something that's kind of tacked on at the end of things, not implemented 
from the absolute get-go of the feature. And it seems like that was done here and they're receiving a lot of praise for how well it was implemented. And it's it's good because Ragnarok is a good game and it's nice that people who do have a lot of accessibility issues, um, I think there's about 60 different settings that they can use to change kind of like the text, contrast, color, wow. actual like, say for example, quick time events, skipping things. When I see stuff like this, I like to praise it because I know if if I needed those settings, I would very much appreciate having them there. I love seeing how much that is growing in game development in general, because yeah, yes, the, these studios are doing really awesome things, but also like Microsoft has been coming out with those Xbox controllers that are more accessible yeah. that have like different shaped controls and buttons and stuff. So that way anybody can use them and seeing that just makes me happy because it, it lets more people just have fun with these games where it's, it's not necessarily something that is essential for life, but I think a lot of innovation in general does come from games in general. And so the fact that game development is leaning more into this is very nice to see and exciting to see because I I feel like that will go a long way in the long run. All right. Moving on to some stranger stuff here. This one came up from Smithsonian, which is actually a great publication for science, technology, nature, all of those things. The FDA has approved pretty close to approving all the way, getting closer. Who knows exactly what they have to do, but the FDA has approved lab-grown meat, specifically chicken, and it will be hitting plates across the states pretty soon. So buckle up, Cassie. The face you're making implies you will not be one of the first taste testers, I guess. I am down to try. I gotta say, I am a meat eater. You can take Korean barbecue from my cold, dead hands. I'm a (laughs) huge fan of a lot of different foods, but if lab-grown meat is safe to eat and good and all that, then I am all for it, and I'm down to try. Yeah, supposedly maybe some environmental benefits, get back a lot of land that is pasture, turn it into forest, good less for cow farts, which are methane, bad for the environment. On the other hand, probably way more expensive, just for mm-hmm. now. One of the things they said in there that I thought was interesting was like, it's kind of like brewing beer. They like compared it to the act of like, getting yeast and like making it do its thing. And then, huh. you know, it turn, it th- through the alchemy, it turns into beer. Here you have some cells and, you know, you sort of activate them and through that alchemy, it grows into chicken. That would be kind of cool if you could, you know, kind of how you do with kombucha, where you just get like a little, that little blob and then you just kind of brew your own kombucha. Like it would be kind of cool if you could throw <laughs> your, your own meat. Meats, right. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. just have a little jar and then, leave it for a week and come back and there's a patty there. Oh, man. I mean, the thing about the kombucha mother that's so magical is how durable it is. And if you feed it right, you know, you give it the right, like, water and tea and and sugar, it'll go forever. You can cut it in half and give half to somebody else and then you come back six months later and, you are you know, it's back to the same size. So if they could do that with chicken, I mean, world peace, you know, everybody's fed, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, exactly. I, d- I do worry about the cost, kind of like what you said, because... I've had like the fake burgers and stuff before where they taste okay, but they, they're they like $5 more expensive per burger or something like that. And that's something that we have to consider. But if this is something where on a mass scale, it can be just as affordable, if not more so, in addition to being good for the environment, then that would be amazing. But yeah, not everybody has the provision ability to be like, yes, I'll eat this lab-grown meat. Right, right. You might see a lot of governments come in and, and fund this dramatically. Like if there, if there is mm-hmm. kind of like a quantifiable cost benefit here where they are trying to reduce meat consumption, everything else, then 
that might come into effect. But just to your point earlier, Cassidy, like I am all down for lab grown meat if it's good for the environment and it tastes somewhat palatable. But I just, I don't want it to be a situation where we go all in on lab grown wheat and then five years later, they're like, oh, actually there's a carcinogen in here that uh, is not very good for you. <laughs> We're so sorry about right. that. When, when it comes to like health and changing diet, like I want to be as safe as I can. So, well, that was the big thing. I mean, the FDA gave it as clearance. It's provisional clearance. You know, it's been, they've, it's been around for a while. And so they're sort of saying, we feel like it's safe. People have been eating it in Singapore. Apparently that was one of the first nations to like oh, nice. bring lab grown meat to the table. And yeah, I mean, I wonder to your points, you know, is it something like solar where when it scales, then it becomes cheaper or is it not, you know, like, does right. it have that capacity where it's like, oh, well, if we make really big factories and a lot of people are ordering it, suddenly it gets cheaper and cheaper or maybe not. We'll see. In general, I really like vegetarian foods as long as it's not lying about being other foods. Mm. And that, unfortunately, that happens a lot. Satan. Where, yeah. I, or I'm just like, this isn't real cheese or this right. isn't a real oh. egg or something. And then it ends up right, like right. having a weird texture because it's telling you that it's trying to be something when it's not. Just give me a tomato. Like, yeah. I, I don't lie to me. Just a real quick tangent to that. I spent about two hours making potentially the best beef mince I've ever made in my life. This was like a labor of love. And I was living in the Netherlands at the time. And unbeknownst to me, I picked up some vegan cheese. And it was, you know, the cheese is the last, you just drop it on, put it in the oven for 15 minutes, melts, bubbly, good. It was in the oven for about an hour and a half. And it still wasn't melting. And I was like, what What on God's green earth is going on here? And it basically what ended up happening was all the chips burnt. The beef mince was fine, but the cheese was indestructible. Not a single piece had <laughs> melted. And to this day, I'm still really dark mm. about this vegan cheese that ruined my four-hour nachos. That's where the lies get you. All right. Well, I'm interested. If I somehow can get access, I will. I will be sending lab grown meat out to the to the podcast crew. We'll do a taste test, and then we can Perfect. all way back in. That would be fun. Speaking of sending things to folks, wanted to give a shout out, and we'll put it in the show notes. I was on Smithsonian reading about meat, and then they had the best ten STEM toys to give for the holidays for all different ages. My favorite was the Mega Cyborg Hand. Children can pretend to be Iron Man while learning about hydraulics. There you go. That's so fun. I want more like fun adult STEM toys where you can build little robots (laughs) and stuff. Yeah. I love that those are kind of getting more popular too. A a friend of mine just got her. She ordered a robotic arm off of Kickstarter and she finally got it the other day. Yeah. And it is crazy how cool this thing is. Like it, it latches onto your desk and she's trying to program it to make her bubble tea. And so that is her what? current. Yeah. So that's that's the end goal. At the moment, she's basically just trying to get it to draw on a piece of paper on a, on a flat plane, which is proving difficult as it is. So the bubble tea might be a little bit more advanced, but uh, that's that's the end goal here. Yeah. Shout out. If you didn't hear the episode with Elliot Horowitz, he was the CTO at MongoDB for a long time. And he left that company. He can do whatever he wants. He's um, got into robotics. He was like, well, I went and brought a robotic arm and I tried to teach it to play chess against me. And then I realized robotics are too hard. So now he's got a whole company and the goal is to make, make it easy for anybody to build robotics, like a platform where they can, they take a lot of the guesswork out of it for you. So have either of you seen videos by uh, Simone Gertz? Oh, Oh, I love her. She's awesome. For those who don't know who she is, she 
makes robots and she's known as like the queen of crappy robots on the internet. And they very purposely are stupid, but she's so smart about it and makes such clever things where it's like, this is a really great alarm that can wake you up, but it's just a hand that slaps you in the morning. Similar yeah. things like that. And it's incredibly fun to watch her channel if you ever yeah, get a chance. Yeah, I love those channels. Her and Mark, the former NASA guy who yes. like builds the glitter He's bombs great. to get yes, the package yes, yes. dealers. Oh, such great builders. I, I look forward to his yearly video where he upgrades his um, porch scammer equipment. <laughs> I've been religiously watching that in December every year for the last two or three years. Yeah, he's got some high-quality content. All right, the last link on here is just, my wife has gotten very into swimming, and so I bought her swimming headphones. And the interesting thing about them is that Bluetooth does not work underwater. So your average Bluetooth headphones, no matter what, huh. is just not going to work. So you have two options. You can get ones that, you just like store the songs on there. Like it's not streaming from something <laughs> or you can get one that has like a radio tower that you like put on the edge of the, the pool while you're swimming and it like broadcasts to you. So we went with the one with, with no radio tower, but I thought that that other one was very funny. So it's an iPod shuffle is what you're telling me. Yeah. I think it has like a, put the songs on and go forward, go back. And actually uh-huh. once I got it, I realized like, do we even have MP3s anymore? Like what am I, <laughs> I've kind of gotten myself into a kerfuffle here, but. I was fully thinking that that there was like a little antenna that shot up from the (laughs) ear or maybe like on a little pack on like on the back. It looked like a little shark fin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I subscribed to algoexpert.io, which is kind of like a coding interview platform that so far has actually been really good. So for anyone looking forward to job interviews, I've basically got a list of system design, uh, coding interviews, machine learning, and front-end development. So it basically goes through everything like a framework for how to prep for interviews. So that was cool. I have been cooking a lot more. So I picked up a nice big wooden mm-hmm. nice. chopping block as well as a Le Creuset mm-hmm. Dutch oven. Fancy. That was a, a big investment. I've, yeah, that was very well-researched product that I've been actually loving. I cooked a Japanese curry nice. in it over the weekend and uh, big fan so far. It's been fun. All right, everybody. Well, as always, we appreciate you listening. If you have thoughts on lab-grown meat, maybe a Twitter poll, (laughs) we'll see. And uh, yeah, you know, if if you have thoughts for the show, we'll we'll take them. But before we do that, we have to shout out the winner of a Lifeboat badge, as we always do. Give a little love to somebody who came and shared some knowledge with the community. How to listen for and react to Ace Editor change events. Thanks, Ralph, for providing an answer and winning a lifeboat badge. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions. Podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Cassidy Williams. I am CTO over at Contenda. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. And I'm Matt Kinanda. You can find me online at Matt Kinanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon.